Welcome to You Gotta Have Faith. What is faith? In Hebrews 11th chapter 1st verse, the Apostle Paul writes, Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. One playwright writes, it's believing you see white when your eyes tell you black. Dr. Martin Luther King says, if you don't believe in something, you'll fall for anything. This is a podcast about faith. This is a Christian podcast where we share our faith and belief in God and Jesus Christ and in mankind, the goodness and kindness in mankind. In today's world, we see lots of ugliness based on racism, misogyny, and age-old grudges. But there's goodness in all of us. There's goodness in each and every one of us, but it depends on us. Uh, it depends on our faith. You got to have faith. I'm reading this. I'm actually doing this on memory. In any case, um, good morning and uh, happy holidays to everyone. My name is Reg Clay. This is the <clears throat> You Gotta Have Faith podcast, episode 86, and this is our very first podcast on YouTube very first video podcast and usually i would have a uh, craig dickerson with me but he is away and um but i have a very special friend of mine suli asumi uh suli how are you doing great rich how are you i'm doing good and um we're going to be talking about uh forgiveness and the bible verses that we'll be focusing on will be three there'll be first john um First chapter, ninth verse, Ephesians, fourth chapter, verses 31 and 32, and Matthew 6, verses 14 and 15. And we'll also talk about you so that people can get to know you uh, better. Um, you are from India, from a, uh, a region called Nagaland, and you are a, uh, a missionary, and you're a teacher, and that's how I know you. And... Um, before we um, learn more about you, let's start off in prayer, and uh, I can kick us off. Okay. Heavenly Father, we truly thank you for waking us up this morning and for Suli this afternoon, this evening. We pray that as we dive into your word, that you will bless us with uh, your teachings and that we can grow from you. We thank you so much for your gift of, uh, of birth as we celebrate Christmas and uh, we pray that everything that we say, everything that we do, everything that we are will be blessed by the love of you. We love you so much, Jesus, and we thank you so much for your gift. And um, we just ask that you guide us as we go through your, your, um, your word, through the Bible, and, and learn more about you so that we can grow and we can understand and, um, and be better Christians for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You still there? I am here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, perfect. All righty. So before we get into forgiveness, uh, let's learn a little bit more about you. Suli Asumi, and uh, I call you Selly, uh, but I guess uh, Suli, Selly, um, which do you prefer? Uh, both. Uh, Suli or Selly, it's fine with me. Okay. Uh, why don't you tell folks uh, where you're from and um, a little bit more about Nagaland and about you? Right, so um, uh, my name is Suli. Uh, that's how my friends call me. So uh, I'm I'm a Naga. I I live in Cambodia right now. So uh, I want to start off with uh, uh, with a little bit about me. So I grew up from a Christian family. In fact, I was born as a Christian. Um, I was taught how to love my parents, obey them, and to be good to others, for which Jesus will be happy and bless us. Um, I grew up going to Sunday school and church, and uh, that's because um, Nagaland is the only state in India, uh, which is a Christian state. It's the only Christian state in India. It's a small state, but uh, uh, the 19, 97% are Christians. So, um, yeah, so that's how I grew up. And um, Nagaland, uh, most of the people doesn't know about Nagaland. It's uh, it's in the Northeast India. Yeah, it borders and, China, it borders China, correct? Right, right. So uh, 
So when people say I'm Indian, uh, they get confused. Like, oh, you don't look like Indian. You look like Chinese or a Filipina, you know? So um, Nagaland is very different from the mainland India in so many ways. Like our looks, our culture, our religion, our lifestyle, our mentality, etc. We are more of an Asian than Indian. You know what I mean? Yeah, very much so. And, uh, you know, for those who know of India, we think of the caste system or we think of Muslims or Hindi. And, right. you know, we associate, you know, those looks there. But uh, I imagine, uh, you know, it's, you know, when you look at India on the map, you'll see that there's like a little, what I would guess call a peninsula up on the upper uh, right-hand section. And that mm-hmm. is where uh, Nagaland is. Uh, it could have been its own nation if it want, if I guess if it wanted to be. Um, you know, almost like Mongolia or Nepal. Um, mm-hmm. But um, now, how did we talked a little bit about this yesterday? But how did uh, Nagaland get to be so uh, enriched in Christianity? Uh, tell me a little bit about the history of that. So that was back in uh, the mid nineteenth century. So um, Nagas, uh, the original religion of the Nagas are the folk religion, right? Animism, folk religion. So um, uh, the missionaries from America and uh, the British missionaries came to Nagaland and they spread Christianity. So it was through those missionaries that Nagas came to know about Christianity, they accepted Christ, and that is how, and Nagas, uh, they, they, Naga missionaries, no, Nagas, uh, they made a motto that Nagaland will be for Christ. So every Naga is a Christ. Like, you know, it's a total Christian state. Yeah, no, no, that is interesting. And a little bit about, you know, this is something that Craig and I have talked about. There are things called the Great Awakenings in American history where there have been movements, uh, Christian movements, uh, Christian moments where um, Christianity has grown. The first uh, Great Awakening happened in the Puritan era. This would have been around the 1600s, where um, there was a great speech, uh, Sinners in the hang- Hands of an Angry God, where I think it was uh, John, oh, I can't think of his uh, I know last... that. John, John, yeah, I forgot it. I, I remember the title. Yeah, John Anderson or whatever, but uh, it was basically um, an awakening um, that uh, Christians and it's it has sort of you know made the uh, Christian movement because a lot uh, a lot of um, English English migrated from England uh, to have um, their their own um, boy it's six o'clock folks <laughs> so I am a little bit frazzled but uh, they they wanted to have their own independence they wanted to uh, to worship Christ in their own way because there was the Anglican and the Catholic um, way of uh, Christianity in England. And so they wanted their own uh, method or their own way of, um, um, of praising God. But unfortunately, the first Great Awakening also gave rise to the Puritan uh, movement and the Salem witch trials. And I think they took things to the extreme. And so they were, you know, almost burning everybody who did not appear to, uh, you know, to love God. But then there was the second Great Awakening, which was a more personal um, approach to God, where you didn't need the the minister to be close to Jesus Christ. You can actually open up the Bible and be close and have a personal relationship with God. And it actually spurned the abolitionist movement where there were abolitionists who basically said, how can we be Christian and have slavery at the same time? And that spurned the abolitionist movement that spurned Harriet Beecher Stowe writing Uncle Tom's Cabin, which woke up a lot of individuals and it spurned the Civil War. So that was a part of the Second Great Awakening. And it was also a time where African-Americans who were free started their own church. And that was the AME Church, the African Methodist uh, Episcopalian Church. The Third Great Awakening, which brings us to Nagaland, is where they, they, were, they were missionaries. There were those who started the, um, the, oh, um, the suffrage movement, where uh, women basically says, hey, we want the right to vote, and we want the right to have some sort of leadership where we can lead people to Christ. There was the temperance movement where um, there was a movement to get people to stop drinking 
and they were, you know, protesting against bars and things like that. And I believe it was the third great awakening, which spurned people to go out into the world and have missionaries and to sort of enlighten other cultures to, um, to receive the word of God. And I believe those were the missionaries that came to Nagaland and sort of uplifted the Naga people um, mm -hmm. to, to become Christian. Right. Now, one thing that we had talked about yesterday, and I wonder if we can sort of tap into it, um, because those there are those that may say, well, what about assimilation? You know, did the Nagas accept Christianity and the Western culture, but did they alienate their own culture? Um, what do you think? No, um, so, uh, so when the missionaries um, brought Christianity to Nagaland, they brought along their Western culture and it greatly helped, you know what I mean? It, it helped a lot because Nagas were lagging behind. They didn't know anything about uh, the, the world, you know? So when those missionaries came, they brought along Christianity with their culture and that is how uh, uh, Nagas began to uh, have some sense, you know, have some civic sense, have some, uh, so, yeah, so those missionaries really uplifted Nagas in such a way that they began to be independent. So, uh, in some ways, uh, the Western culture really dominated uh, the culture of Nagas. Because uh, those missionaries, um, they were uh, kind of biased, like, oh, your culture is sin, you know, it's not related with the gospel, so you should have to give up, you know, you should have to give this up, no, this one is not good. So that is how uh, most of the cultures, most of the good culture has been given up, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, and we talked a little bit about what happened in the African-American culture. We talked about this yesterday where, you know, Christianity, uh, of course, us African, you know, um, my ancestors came by force to America from Africa. And we were introduced to Christianity because a lot of the uh, slaves owners would take their slaves to church. And of course, they were not allowed to go inside the church. They'd have to be outside waiting for the masters. But they would hear the music and they sort of adopted Christianity. We, you know, our ancestors adopted Christianity and we created gospel music. You know, we sort of had a blend of our own African culture along with Christianity, along with, you know, taking these uh, hymnals and adopting it as our own. And, you know, Christianity sort of saved us African-Americans from slavery. You know, we used the, um, the Christian music um, as code uh, for the Underground Railway, for Harriet Tubman and, um, and Sojourner Truth. And, um, and even those who, you know, were black and freed used Christianity, like Frederick Douglass and, and, and a lot of others, to preach about how um, Christianity saved us. It, you know, it reminds me so much of the first of the, uh, of the story of Moses, where Moses, you know, came to Egypt to liberate the, the people from Pharaoh. And so a lot of African-Americans adopted Christianity and we relate to the story of Moses as our story. And so we blended Christianity with African culture and it created gospel. Um, the blues was created and of course it created rock and roll, but we found a way to blend both together so we can hold on to our own culture while still adopting Christianity. I imagine the same thing happened in Nagaland. Yeah, yeah. So uh, of course the people didn't uh, really um, what, gave up on the culture, but of course they, 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 you know, they still hold on to the culture, but most of the cultures has been lost. You know, most of our culture has been lost, but still, we still have it. So, which is good, you know? Now we are, you know, when we are talking about the blues and those music, those African music, um, now, what Nagas do is we try to, you know, um, sing the gospel through folk music, you know? Like, way back, uh, the folk music was basically for not, for, not for Christ. It was not very gospel. But now, uh, 
through the coming of Western culture, uh, you know, we can now, you know, uh, sing or spread the gospel through folk music. I mean, that's that's something good. I mean, we still haven't lost our culture. I mean, no, yeah, no, that's yes. wonderful. Yeah. No, that's fantastic. And I think that that's uh, very, very important. And I remember when I visited Nagaland to visit you, you gave me a gift. A, uh, it's something that I have in the bedroom. It's uh, the, the Naga Spears, yeah. which is sort of a, a logo for uh, Nagaland. So it's good that, you know, the Nagas are still Naga. You know, you still hold on to your culture, but yet you can still adopt uh, Christianity and have that in your life. And also, I'm you sure. Know, go ahead. You know why? You know why Nagas, uh, so you know why Nagas have those spears as a, as a souvenir? It's because, you know, Nagas were headhunters, you know? Have you heard about this before? Headhunters, uh, yeah, I imagine so. You, I guess, kill the enemy and chop the head off, huh? Right, yeah. So that's what they were. I mean, that's what we were before Christianity. Yeah, no, no, no I totally understand. And uh, I was also thinking, you know, during the... Um, the 1860s or whenever the missionaries came, it was also during the time of the second industrial revolution and uh, around all the world, you know, the use of electricity, uh, the use of, let's say the telephone and the telegraph. Well, the telegraph is a little bit earlier, but I imagine the missionaries probably brought some of that technology to Nagaland as well. So uh, not only did, you know, they receive the word of God, but also they were sort of, um, revolutionized through uh, new technology, which is a wonderful thing. Mm -hmm. Did your, when you were growing up, did your uh, mom or dad or grandparents tell you stories of, uh, I don't know, just old stories of ancient Nagaland? Uh, well, not really, but when I was doing my theology, so when I was doing my Bachelor of Divinity, I get to read about, um, uh, religion. So we had a subject, we had a religion subject where we get to read uh, different religions and especially the ancient religion, right? Mm -hmm. Especially the folk religion. There I get to read a lot about our, you know, Naga original religion, like spirit worship and animism. That's how our forefathers were before Christianity. I got it. I got it. Now let's learn a little bit more about you. You told us a lot about Nagaland. So are you the, um, do you have siblings? I, I, I know these answers, but uh, you know, just for the audience, do you have brothers and sisters? Yes. So I have, um, I have, uh, so I had all together, we have seven of us. So it's a big family, but I lost my elder brother and sister back in, uh, 2010 and eight. Now we have five of us. I have uh, two older brothers and one older sister and my youngest sister and me. So I'm the second youngest. Ah, the second youngest. How, how did, um, what is your personal experience with, uh, with, with Christianity, with, uh, with your relationship with God? You know, a lot of us, we are Christians because, you know, our parents want us, wants us to be, or we go to church because our parents drag us to church. But every now and then there's a personal experience that happens where you yourself accept Jesus Christ. Uh, I know for me, um, I, um, I had a very rough, um, childhood. And so, um, you know, there was a time where I ran away from home. Uh, there was a time where I just had a lot of bad experiences. And I realized, oh, I, I know what it was. It was uh, when my grandfather died in 1976. And I asked my dad, so what's going to happen to the body? And um, my dad was like, well, they're going to put, put him in the ground. And I thought about the worms. I was going to eat him up. And uh, I got very scared. I was like, oh, my God, that's, gonna, that's what's going to happen to me. Uh, but he says, no, that's the body. But the, his soul will go to heaven. And so I decided I really wanted to give myself to God then. Um, what about you? Do you have any personal um, a story that brought you closer to God? Um, yeah, so um, as a child, I, I used to really like Bible. I, I, I used to read Bible every night, you know. Uh, 
but so but there was one point of time where I that was when after that was when I grew older that was uh, when I was in college um, I had a very bad accident where my friend died and the, the, um, car, the car accident is that right yeah so um, uh, from then on I decided to give my life to Christ because I wouldn't have been here I don't have been I wouldn't have been alive if it wasn't him who who lifted me it was if it wasn't him who saved me and so I decided that you know it's Christ who who saved my life for his purpose so I would live for him you know yeah you, you, you nearly lost your eye didn't you yeah I yeah I, I nearly lost my eye um the doctors wanted to operate it but it was kind of it was it was risky it was dangerous so I decided not to do it, so it's still blur, but thank God I have my right eye. I have my left eye, which is still very clear, and that's, it's helping me. It helps me. Yeah. No, no, no. I think that's, that's a wonderful thing, and uh, we were and that's talking. A, that's a miraculous thing. I mean, that's a miracle. God, God, uh, that, that's a miracle that happened in my life, you know? Do you yeah. believe in miracles? Oh, of course. Of course I do. I mean, we were talking about this yesterday where, um, you know, there are those, um, I have a couple of friends of mine who are atheists or agnostic, and usually they're atheists because yeah. they are turned off by the church. They're turned off by bad preachers or bad ministers or, you know, the cults that you hear about. A lot of individuals within the ministry, like there are some Catholic preachers who really make Christianity look bad because of their own bad actions. But, um, you know, I tell them, listen, I can't prove to you that God is real, but it's a belief that I have. And there are just way too many things. There are way too many coincidences in life that um, there has to be some sort of a design. You know, the fact that the earth is the only one that has life and the fact that where did water come from? Water came from asteroids in space that just happened to have little, you know, molecules of life inside of it. And the fact that we, you know, sort of evolved um and you know we have two eyes and nose and a mouth you mean just the design of humanity the design of a human being i just believe that you know there has to be something there has to be some sort of a design and the fact that this bible has been around for what four thousand five thousand years and yet we still hold on to it there's still so many individuals who are <clears throat> uplifted by it who are still changed by it. I think it's uh, Hebrews that says that the word of God is living and active. It, you know, it cuts through the heart. It, it, touches the, it touches the thoughts and conditions of the heart. And it really does. I mean, the, but the Bible is still very, very powerful. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's my belief. You know, um, I don't know if it can ever be proven that God is real, but it's based on your belief. It's based on your faith. And I've had miracles happen in my life as well. You know, uh, I told you the time that I ran away from home and no one can figure out how I got from the middle of DC to across the border to another state, Maryland at 11 years old, but you know, it happened. And uh, I'm very thankful that I, nothing happened to me and well, that, yeah. 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 And that, uh, you know, I found myself back home and actually it changed my family for the better. They sort of like, Hey, you know, we need to wake up and, and really focus on the family. But, and I'm sure many other people who are listening have had miracles happen in their lives as well. So miracles still do happen. I, I still believe in miracles. Mm -hmm. That's right. With that said, let's jump in here. Let's jump into uh, the Bible. I'm going to read from the NIV version, 1 John 1, verse, um, chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Now I'm going to read Ephesians 4, chapter, I'm sorry, Ephesians 4th chapter, verses 31 and 32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. 
And now I'm going to read Matthew 6, chapter, verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive against forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Okay, and that's it. And, you know, I chose 1 John 1, Ephesians, and Matthew because, in my, in my opinion, 1 John talks about receiving um, forgiveness. In other words, we're the ones asking for forgiveness. We're the ones who, are, who need forgiveness. Uh, Ephesians talk about the other side, receive, uh, giving forgiveness. If someone has wronged you, you forgive them. And then Matthew talks about basically um, it's a requirement of Christianity. You know, if you um, forgiving someone is a, is a need, you, I, I believe that you cannot be a Christian without forgiving. Um, and basically um, Jesus is saying that Jesus is talking to the disciples. I believe he talks to Peter and Peter says, you know, how many times should we forgive? one time, two times, six times. And Jesus says, no, you need to give 66 times. You know, it's a, it's a requirement. So I wanted to sort of break it down by those points. And I don't want to dominate, you know, because, you know, this is between the both of us and, and our listeners. Um, but First John talks about the need to ask uh, for forgiveness. And there are individuals, I mean, I think, and one of the reasons why I wanted to focus on forgiveness is because, uh, you know, we, in America, we just came from an election, a very contentious election where Donald Trump uh, tried and failed to win a reelection and Joe Biden had a lot of what I would call humility uh, in, in winning and, and running his election. And Donald Trump, even now, is very bitter and he said a lot of very mean things. And Joe Biden had every right to be bitter and to say, well, you know, I don't forgive you for everything that you said about me, but he's been very humble. But unfortunately, Donald Trump is not, you know, he's not ready to, to ask for forgiveness for just being very mean to women, to black people, to gays and lesbians, to, uh, to Muslims, to the Latino community. I mean, I don't know if you've heard about the, the zero tolerance policies, but he's been separating families, Latino families, and jailing the families and the children for simply crossing the border and coming to America, which is really, really horrible and what I would call unchristian-like. Um, I believe there is a need, you know, all of us have sinned and all of us ha have a, a, a need to forgive. Um, so the first verse, I'm, I'm sorry, the first um, Bible verse that I did, First John, first chapter, verses uh, nine, verse nine. Um, we, I, I, I've written down here. We must be humble and confess our sins. Jesus' sacrifice is the ultimate gift of forgiveness. And you know we're approaching Christmas, and you know Jesus' birth is a gift, but Jesus' mm -hmm. death and Jesus' sacrifice for us is also a gift. And um, I guess we'll just talk about, you know, just asking for forgiveness. You know, you have to be humble. You, you can't be too proud to, um, to, to not ask for forgiveness. And all of us have done wrong. And all of us have a need to say, listen, I'm sorry. Can you forgive me? And um, I think pride is one reason why people do not, re oh, I should say, resist asking for forgiveness. Uh, a feeling that, you know, well, it's got to be someone else's fault. I know that in the legal community, and I work for a law office, usually if you ask for forgiveness, you acknowledge that you did something wrong. And, you know, a lot of folks legally are like, well, I don't want to go to jail, so I'm not going to admit that I did wrong, because they don't want to take the punishment, whatever the punishment may be. So there are all sorts of reasons uh, for, and also if you don't admit that you did something wrong, you're essentially lying, which is another sin all in itself you know that's false witnesses um what what are your thoughts on because i know you've been a teacher uh what are your thoughts on individuals who don't know how to ask for forgiveness so um um you know most of the time many times we don't um we fail to realize that we made a mistake and we fail to ask for forgiveness and many a times it happens. Um, 
So for those individuals who don't, then, uh, you know, it's, it's very important that we, we realize our mistakes and ask for forgiveness because, you know, um, our God, like even if it's with friends or families or God, you know, um, like in day-to-day -day life, you know, even in our day-to-day -day life, we feel good when someone who hurt us comes and asks for forgiveness. We ultimately forgive them. And same with God, right? Um, our God is a very patient God, ever ready and waiting to forgive all our sins. But it is, it is us uh, who should go to him and seek, seek forgiveness. Yeah. Same, 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 yeah. same in our day-to-day -day life. Yeah. Now, I remember you told me a story of you were teaching and I guess two boys, two of your students, got into a fight, got into a very, very vicious fight. And um, I guess they had a very hard time forgiving one another. Um, did you want to share that story? I mean, did they did they did they eventually forgive one another? Uh, yeah, I think they did. Um, um, you know, very soon they graduated. So yeah, I think they did. Um, after that, I, I saw them talking. I mean, it of course it took some time for them to you know, get back together and be friends and all, but eventually they did. Yeah. So they forgive each other. Yeah, I know. Um, well, I think that, I think us men, I mean, I don't want to generalize, but us men usually have a very, very hard time in admitting guilt, admitting, you know, because of our manly pride. We uh, believe that, you know, um, there's a sort of, um, there's a weakness in admitting that you made a mistake, that you failed or that you did something wrong. And it's something that we have to sort of, um, we have to get over. We have to, uh, because a lot of times, just as thinking about relationships, like let's say between a marriage, let's say um, if one partner does not admit that they did something wrong, it can hinder, it can destroy a marriage because uh, all of a sudden there's a lack of uh, faith. There's a lack of humility. And one person may say, wow, this person doesn't wanna forgive what they've done wrong. I don't know if I can trust this person. I don't know if this person really loves me because, you know, um, forgiving, I mean, um, saying that I'm wrong and I'm sorry, um, that's sort of an act of love all in itself. Um, you know, whether it's a relationship, I know that when, um, when I'm, I'm thinking about my, my dad, you know, when my dad, there was one time where I guess he scolded me or he yelled at me for something. And I know that he was in a very, it was a very tense situation where I guess there, was, there were money issues within the family and he snapped and he just yelled. And it created a great deal of tension within the family. Later on, he sat me down. He's like, hey, listen, I was wrong. I'm sorry. And I, you know, it has nothing to do with you. Don't worry about it. And it was a great burden that lifted off of me because I said, well, how do I approach him if I don't know, you know, what his attitude is going to be? But his forgiving really taught me as a man that you can still be a man and still admit your mistakes. You know, we, we men are very afraid that a woman will walk out of our lives or, you know, if we show any sign of weakness, we always must be strong and bold. And that's, it's, it's a trap, you know, it's not really true. I mean, you can still be strong and yet still show that you um, can make mistakes and that you can apologize and ask for forgiveness. And I think that's a, um, it's a growing lesson to learn. Yeah. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, that's a part of growing. I mean, we learn from our mistakes, yeah? Yes, that's exactly right. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's that. Now the second part, Ephesians, where we're on the other side and we are asked to forgive someone. I mean, we are asked to, um, to forgive someone else. Let's say you're a victim or let's say someone has wronged you. And uh, this, it's interesting because Paul is writing from jail. He's writing letters to the Ephesians. He's been writing letters to a lot of it, um, <clears throat> groups like the Thessalonians and the Romans and the Hebrews. And here he's in jail, really just spreading the word of God, and he has every right to be bitter, but yet he is, he is forgiving 
of his uh, jailers, and he's asking the, the Ephesians to forgive. And here's what I wrote down. Our responsibility as Christians to give grace and forgiveness. Paul's letter to the Ephesians talks about what God expects of us as Christians, even as he's in jail and has every right to be bitter. In verse 26, he says, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Verse 27, do not give the devil a foothold. And it's interesting, as he mentions, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. He attaches emotion to our ability to forgive. Um, if I'm still angry at you, let's say you did something wrong to me. And there have been plenty of times between our knowing each other in five years we've known each other that I've gotten angry with you. And there have been times where I've sort of cut you off. And there have been times where we haven't talked in a very long time. And then I'm like, okay, listen, this is just ridiculous. I need to either forgive or to admit that I, I made a mistake and I'm sorry. Um, but emotion, you know, when we get too emotional, that allows us to not use our logic and not use our hearts to open up and to forgive. Um, do you have any thoughts on, on giving forgiveness, giving the gift of forgiving someone? Yeah, um, so, you know, God wants us to willingly forgive someone just as he forgave us. Uh, this is what I, this is what came to my mind uh, when you were reading Ephesians 4, 31 to 32. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so, you know, a forgiveness is attached to healing and peace. I believe that. And, uh, you know, it is said that we live by our thoughts. So if our heart is at peace, then our life is well and healthy. But if our heart is troubled, we don't see good in anything, but everything that seems so depressing. And uh, when you forgive someone, we are free from the bondage and we feel, feel peaceful. I've experienced that a lot, a lot of times. Yeah, I imagine you have felt wrong. I mean, have there been ever been a time where you have been wronged and someone has asked for your forgiveness and it was hard for you to to give that forgiveness yeah right but eventually when you forgive them you know you know we feel so good i mean um i, I felt so free like you know i i felt so so peace at heart mm -hmm. yeah so I remember I'll share a quick story, and I've told this before on the podcast. Um, there was a time where my mom and I did not speak for 12 years. Um, she had left the home and she had moved somewhere else. And I just decided, well, I don't need to talk to her. And she really doesn't care about what I think or whatever. And I was totally wrong. Um, I remember it was in 97. It was Thanksgiving 97 where we saw ourselves for the first time face to face since I was a child. And she had tears in her eyes and she was like, please, please forgive me. And she needed to hear the words from me. Mom, I forgive you. Everything is okay. And we hugged and I could tell the burden was lifted off of her. And I had to remind myself the power of words. We don't think that words have power that, you know, the simple words, I forgive you has any meaning, but it does. It really does have meaning. Um, and you're absolutely right. It does lift a burden off of, off of you and off of the individual who, needs to hear those words of forgiveness. Um, I think about uh, individuals who have been jailed uh, for years. There was a guy who had been in jail for 20 years for a crime he did not commit. You know, the, the uh, police made the mistake. They got the wrong individual. And uh, he had every reason to be upset with um, the uh, police officers and the, the, and then the DA. But he was like, you know what, I'm just so happy to get out of jail and I'm very happy to get on with my life. And I have no anger in my heart because I think you're absolutely right. I think that um, anger is sort of like a weight. And when you don't forgive, uh, you carry that weight on. It's like a burden. It's like um, an albatross. It's like something on yeah. your back. So heavy. Yeah, exactly. It's heavy. And then when you can say, hey, I forgive you, you can throw that weight off of you. And it may be a hard concept for those who are still very angry. You know, there are, I know friends of mine who have been raped, um, ladies who have been raped, and they're like, oh, I'll never forgive my accuser. I'll never, ever, ever. 
And although I can understand it, the anger is still within them. The anger is in their face. Their anger is, you know, in, in the voice, in, you know, in the way they speak. And as long as they hold on to that anger, they'll never really, it changes your, your personality. You know, I know individuals who have been traumatized and it changes their entire demeanor. You know, they're not the same person anymore. And usually it takes counseling and therapy. Um, and a lot of people, individuals go to church uh, to, to receive some sort of a blessing, some sort of a miracle. Um, and I'm reminded of Job. You know, Job, um, if you remember the book of Job, um, the devil had tormented Job and God allowed this to happen as long as uh, the devil did not kill Job just to test Job's faith. And Job never cursed, never uh, cursed the name of God throughout his torment. And he was blessed twofold. And so I think a lot of the burdens, a lot of the pain, you know, if you are a victim of a crime, sometimes these can be tests. These, these can be tests that, to test our faith, to test our belief in God, to test how strong we are in our faith. It's very easy for us to say, yes, I believe in God and I believe in Jesus Christ when everything is going great. But how strong is your faith when things go bad, when things go really bad? And that's how you know how strong your love is. And do you have the ability to forgive um, afterwards? So that's, you know, that's basically what I believe. Right. <laughs> I feel like I'm running my mouth. Uh, no, it's fine. <laughs> and then the third, um, the third verse, uh, Matthew 6, chapter verses 14 and 15. Uh, where he says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive other their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. So basically, Jesus is saying very directly, if you don't forgive, God will not forgive you. Which is basically saying, uh, you know, your, your salvation is tied into your ability to forgive. I think that's very important. I'm reminded of um, this was when Jesus was arrested and Peter had took a sword and cut off the ear of the soldier who had grabbed onto Jesus and Jesus healed the uh, soldier's ear and basically told Peter, um, you either live by the sword or you die by the sword. And that, you know, living by the sword is not the answer. Anger is not the answer. And vengeance is not the answer. Um, but if we don't have the capacity to forgive one another, then we're not Christians. We just aren't. Um, is that a lesson that you've taught your, um, your students? Uh, which one? About forgiving, about the fact that if you don't forgive, then God will not forgive you. That, that, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, so basically... Um, when I was when I was teaching in a seminary, I used to we used to have some sorts of misunderstanding sometimes, but eventually what we do is we just forgive each other because um, and that's how I teach my students, you know, mm -hmm. um, especially when I call them for a personal talk, I would counsel them and tell them, hey, you know, you cannot just hold the grudges against you. Um, you just need to let it go, right? And that's how you know God can forgive you, and and you'll be at peace. I mean, uh, you'll be okay. You'll be happy. Yeah, and we have to understand that people grow. I mean, you know, the things that I um, there was a girlfriend that I had. Um, this is uh, back when I was in college, and her brother had promised her a, a great deal of money. But something happened. I guess the brother lost his job and he couldn't uh, he could not give her the money that she wanted. And she was so upset. She was just so furious that she was like, oh, I'm never going to forgive him. And um, but she had to learn that, uh, you know, she was young and that she will grow and that she will um, understand that, you know, you need to forgive. And that also sometimes the people who have wronged you, they will grow as well. You know, uh, we have a tendency to believe that people will always remain exactly the way that they are and that people will not change. But we change every day and we grow and we evolve every day. 
and, and it's important to know that, you know, um, sometimes when you have an argument with someone or you feel someone has wronged you, you have to give them the time to, um, to grow and to understand, you know, what they've done so that they can, you know, um, ask for forgiveness and to open up in your heart. You know, a lot of times I, you know, there are times, uh, you know, Craig and I will talk, uh, you know, about, let's say you're uh, during your day, let's say someone steps on my toe. I could say, oh, you know, why did someone do that? But also say to myself, you know, that person probably has other things on their mind. That, pro that person probably did not. I think 70 to 80% of the people who do us wrong, they don't do it on purpose. They do it because other things are going on in their minds and they're, they're sort of absent-minded. They don't even realize what they've done, what they, you know, sometimes I may have to say to someone, hey, do you realize what you said hurt me? Or do you realize, you know, what you did affects me? And usually when I say it that way, they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize that I affected you. You know, I'm sorry. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. Um, in other words, don't take it personally. You know, don't take a slight or let's say someone says something wrong. Um, you know, maybe there are times where they do actually mean to, in, they have an intent to hurt you. Um, but a lot of times people will do things. Sorry, my phone buzzed. Okay. A lot of times people will do things they don't even realize what they're doing or what effect that they have. Sometimes you have to tell them, hey, listen, what you did had this effect on me. And you can sort of resolve your differences like that. Um, in other words, just realize that people have the capacity to grow and that people, people who, um, who may hurt you a lot of times don't mean to hurt you they don't realize what they're, what they're doing. And so you have to sort of tell them what's going on. It's about communication. It's about talking to one another. Yeah. And, and that's something that Jesus wants us to do. That, that is the, that's the goal of Christianity. You know, when we fellowship, you know, we can tell them about, you know, the love of God and yeah. the sacrifice that mm -hmm. Jesus Christ gives to us. But a lot of times as a Christian, my walk in life, the way that I behave is my testimony. It is, the way that I can fellowship to someone else. Someone can say, wow, Reg Clay is such a cool individual. He's such a humble individual. I want to be just like that. And then I could say, well, it's because of my Christianity. It's because of my belief in God. Um, so our walk in life is our testimony. And if we don't forgive, if we hold grudges, then we're saying something about ourselves. We're saying, well, he's an angry individual. He still holds on to grudges and things. Maybe I don't want to hang out with him because he's a little too angry. We have to understand that everything that we do, everything that we say is a testimony to how Jesus is in our lives or how God is within us. So if we don't have the capacity to forgive, maybe God is not in us and we have to work on that. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, this text has clearly shown us that we cannot ask God to forgive us our sins when we have grudges against someone and don't forgive them. Yep, you're absolutely right. And uh, it is seven, which means it must be 10, or I think, or 11 o'clock your time. Let me check the- oh, It's uh, 10 past four. Yes, 10.04. So yeah. I, I think we did pretty good. Um, how do you feel? This is the first time you're doing a podcast and your first time being on YouTube. So uh, how does it feel? So I feel good. I feel excited. Um, at first, I was kind of nervous, but to be, you know, knowing the fact that I'm being recorded, but it's fine. I feel good. And I just want to thank you so much for this privilege. Um, uh, it's so good. I haven't, you know, I haven't really had a talk like this in years. Um, and uh, this is, uh, you know, what I really needed. And thank you so much. Yeah, well, thank you. I mean, this is something that we've talked about for a while. Um, for those who don't know, I mean, we in episode 85, that, that was the very last episode that Craig Dickerson and I did before he moved to Texas. And uh, so I had two guests, I mean, two uh, co-hosts with me, and they sort of moved on. And so I was like, well, I guess faith is gone. But of course, God has a way of bringing people in my life to say, no, you're going to keep going on. And I think, uh, you know, you are that person. So we'll see how long it lasts. We have no idea if we'll continue this thing 
or and where it will go and what type of um, a group that we'll bring onto YouTube, you know, how many um, subscribers we'll have. I'm hoping that a lot of folks in Nagaland will listen to this and also folks from my uh, neck, of the, in neck of the woods. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see where God takes us. And, you know, if we're humble enough, then, you know, this will grow. I believe that everything that, you know, we do in the name of God shall prosper. So we'll see. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess we'll close it up. Can you, you want to close this out in prayer? Of course, sure. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the time that you blessed us. Thank you so much for, um, uh, for your word that has come to us, Lord, whatever we have shared today. And whoever will be listening to this, Lord, may you bless them. May you um, help them to realize um, how loving you are to them and how forgiving you are, you are to us, Lord. As we um, wrap up this uh, podcast, Lord, be with us. And until we get back here for another talk show, Lord, be with us and guide us in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. For those who are listening to us, who are watching us on YouTube, please like or subscribe and uh, let us know in the comment section what you like or what you dislike and uh, your thoughts on forgiveness. And maybe you want to share your stories of uh, how you've had to deal with forgiveness and how you had to deal with asking for forgiveness. Maybe um, you have asked for forgiveness and, you know, you haven't received that, that, you know, um, those words of forgiveness as of yet, or maybe you're on the other end and you're still holding on to your grudges. Uh, let us know what you, how you, what and how you feel. Um, also, you may be listening to this on uh, your uh, on any podcast app. We're on all podcast apps. If you are a um, an iPhone or an iPad user, there is the uh, the little purple podcast app that you see right there. You can uh, touch onto that. And you can find us. Just search for You Gotta Have Faith. Uh, if you're an Android user, then you can use the SoundCloud app or just go on soundcloud.com and you can find us. Uh, let's see. We're also on Spotify. So that is it. Uh, Sully, you have a wonderful evening. And um, if I don't talk to you again before Christmas, actually, we're going to have another one on Christmas Eve. Is that right? Uh, yeah, maybe on Thursday. Right on. Yeah. That, that should be nice. And it'll be up to you to find the Bible verse and to find out what we'll be talking about. And I can't, can't I'm excited. Yeah. I can't wait. Yeah, let's and, keep praying about it. <clears throat> exactly. Exactly. And with that, thank you so much for listening to you. Gotta have faith and God yeah, bless you. you. And uh, that is it. I'm going to uh, cut things off. We are out. Take care. Yeah.